What is up, you guys? Welcome to 10 Pin Life Podcast number 18 featuring Liz Culkin. When I was in Rockford, I had the awesome opportunity to not only observe some great bowling, like obviously that is the primary objective when you're there, but another part of the competitive atmosphere in professional bowling, I think and in bowling in general, is the way in which uh, competitors handle themselves. You know, on the men's tour, I think it's a little bit more obvious. A lot of, lot more of them are more outspoken. I think that there are critics of the sport, uh, both internally and externally, that wish that they would be more outspoken, more emotional, uh, more um, outwardly competitive, I guess is another way of thinking about it. And on the women's side of things, it's even more reserved. Now, a Part of that is the fact that there is a camaraderie on the women's tour that I don't think exists on the men's tour. Um, so it's I think there's a respect level to that. But also, you know, there's personality differences between men and women too. And um, on the women's tour, most of the ladies are relatively reserved when they're competing. They're really focused on shot making. So I think just being able to stay in the moment and focused on what they're trying to do is most of their prerogative. But on the other side of that, there are a few players that are a little bit more outspoken, and Liz Culkin is definitely one of them. She was the most exuberant uh, competitor on the lanes when I was in Rockford, and it was really fun to watch. It was nice to see a little bit of a change of pace, but also the fact that she could be more animated and, and really just be comfortable in who she is. And Liz is definitely one of those people that's, you know, since the PWBA came back around in 2015, you know, I've watched her career uh, since really since uh, Nebraska. And I, I've really appreciated watching it evolve because it's, it's very obvious that she's a highly skilled bowler. But being able to be more, just like maintain and become more of who she is as a person on and off the lanes too has been a really fun story to watch. And another part of that story that's really interesting is her career path and the amount of moving and shifting in success that she's had. You know, it had been three years since her last win at the US Open until the Long Island Classic win here just a couple months ago. So we get to touch on that and, you know, kind of her collegiate bowling story, uh, you know, kind of how she got into the sport. Obviously, everybody has a 10 pin life story. So I really hope you guys like it. Before we get started, this video is not sponsored by anybody. And why do I say that? Well, the main way that 10 pin life continues forward in terms of like offsetting the expense of keeping this channel rolling is actually through subscriptions and likes and just getting this out into the algorithms more specifically on YouTube, but also on the audio platform. So if you guys do me a huge favor, subscribe to the channel, follow the podcast. If you're on an audio platform, like this video, like this episode, share it with your friends, anything that you can do to interact with this content helps get it to more people and makes it a lot easier easier for me to produce more content. So if you could do that, I would really appreciate it. But that is enough out of me, you guys. Let's get into it. This is 10 Pin Life Podcast number 18 featuring Liz Culkin. fell in love with this sport around 2013, 2014. And the reason that I did wasn't because I'm great, right? I, I, I didn't really bowl as a kid. I, I did a little bit, but, um, you know, it was something that I liked to compete in and I definitely bowl competitively. But the reason that I fell in love with the game was because 
the, the people was because of the stories was because of the fact that you can walk into any bowling center. And if you can talk about bowling, there's somebody in there, if not a whole bunch of people in there that you can strike up a completely random and high quality conversation with. And it's just like, these stories need somewhere to go. And you know, like uh, the reason that I um, started with the women's tour and I, you know, I interviewed Maria and Ashley and Diana was like a, a very few women on the women's tour live a life that is exclusively bowling, including yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think that's a part of the, the story, right? Because it's, it's really easy to see and we'll definitely touch on, you know, winning. It, it's you know, that's obviously like the most public thing that happens for professional bowlers. Um, but it's way more than that. So the place that I really like to start with people is I want to know your bowling story. Like, how did you get into it? Um, and one of my friends, I'll fire this off right away, wanted me to ask, um, what is your favorite memory in bowling before you went to Nebraska? I'm going to say, you know, I think the cliche answer is, you know, your first 300. Mm-hmm. Because I'm actually one of those players that bowled 299 like a million times before I bowled 300. Mm-hmm. Now, I was a multi-sport athlete in high school. I bowled, I played softball, I played basketball, which ultimately I had to make a decision to not play basketball anymore because it was a conflicting with uh, conflicting seasons with mm-hmm. bowling. So mm-hmm. I eventually decided to bowl, even though I was a decent basketball player, I was a better bowler. And I really got into it when I was 13 or 14, even though I bowled since I was six years old, mm-hmm. I really didn't get into it bowling a lot until I was 13 or 14. And when I was 15, I bowled my first 299 and I left, I believe three or four reading tens, my first four 299s. And they were all good shots, even though I was mm-hmm. very nervous, I actually threw good shots. And my first 300, I bowled, and it was the most memorable thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I was at practice. Now, it didn't exactly count, but I still counted it for myself because it was school tryouts for the high school bowling team, and I bowled 300. And that was really cool because my parents were there and all my teammates were there. and It was an exciting thing. It was my first time really doing something of that nature for bowling in front of a crowd. And that was definitely the most memorable thing for me. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. So, cause not, not everybody has even the opportunity to bowl in high school. I believe that you had a relatively successful high school career. If I, if I remember reading that correctly, what was that kind of like for you? Yeah. So it's funny you say that because New York state, I'm very lucky that high school bowling is actually pretty big in New York state. There's different sections. The States are always really competitive. Um, my, my high school bowling career was good. I have to say that I didn't exactly have the coaching I wanted to in high school. My, my high school coach didn't really offer a lot of coaching for us. He was a nice guy, but he was kind of a guy that just came and collected the check and went home kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have a ton of coaching there, but I was pretty lucky because my dad and my mom were there a lot. My dad coached me a lot. He was actually the one where I started bowling, you know, he was a bowler himself. So he was there Mm -hmm. for me a lot, but I had a really good high school team. We actually went undefeated in our council for, I think, three years in a row. Um, Unfortunately, whenever we got to the sectionals, which is where you bowl different teams in your state, Mm -hmm. uh, we never made it to states. I made it to states as an individual, never as a team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I was very lucky that I got to bowl in a lot of different tournaments as a high school bowler to get myself out there to Mm -hmm. collegiate coaching. 
Um, mm-hmm. I had a good high school career. Mm-hmm. What was that recruiting process like? Uh, because obviously Nebraska is one of the best women's college bowling programs in the United States. Um, you know, I think that's because let's see, because you graduated in 15. So mm-hmm. they were, I mean, that was right in the midst of like every year. I mean, it's pretty much every year anyways. The expectation in Nebraska is like, we're going to win a national championship, you guys. I don't really, I don't, <laughs> like that's that's the standard, right? Uh, but what was the, what was that recruiting process like for you? So to be honest, like a lot of people, I don't think so much so now, but because I was a multi-sport athlete and got into bowling a little bit later, I had no idea that collegiate bowling was a thing. I'm going to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. I believe I was a junior in high school when actually my uncle, he was a recruiter for RPI in New York state. Mm-hmm. That's a big university here for football. Mm-hmm. And he actually told me, Hey, listen, Liz, you know, bowling is a D one sport for women. Thank you to title nine. You know, you should look into possibly sending a video out to different recruiters. And mm-hmm. if it wasn't for him, I really would have had no idea what I was doing and I still kind of didn't have any idea what I was doing but at least I had an outline to where I could take some videos do some different shots and that's what I did I, I took video of myself one night with my dad and we basically had a camera guy set up a tripod and do all these different shots of myself from the front from the side mm-hmm. um, and sent them out to different colleges that I was interested in and that that took a little bit of research I, I knew about Nebraska because I've watched them before on TV. Shannon Blahowski was one of my favorite bowlers. I used to watch her on YouTube all the time and like aspire mm-hmm. to be here on the 10th frame. All right, this is me bowling for a national championship. Yep. And, you know, so I knew about Nebraska. I sent one out to Fairleigh Dickinson. I sent one out to Vanderbilt, Maryland Eastern Shore. All the teams that were really good around that time, well, still are mm-hmm. very good, but 2011, 2012. And yep. sent them all out, you know, subject line Liz Colkin, graduating year 2011. And, waited to hear from them and that's how we got the ball rolling nice nice um now obviously you ended up in nebraska but why <laughs> <laughs> you know i went on i only went on two college visits believe it or not uh, the first sure. college visit i went to was adelphi university which was in long island so i was able to drive down there and i was i was very impressed it's a beautiful mm-hmm. school a beautiful university you know, the, the bowling program was kind of starting to get on its feet. And at that at that time, it was kind of like Liz Culkin is going to be the big fish in the small pond for me mm-hmm. at that point. You mm-hmm. know, when I was in high school, I was a good bowler, but I wasn't like a star recruit. I, I wasn't like a junior gold winner like Julia Bond was or something like that. I was just – I was a good bowler. I'm not trying to slight myself at all, but I, I had high average for junior bowlers, and that was kind of like yep. my, my big thing. Yep. So when I went to these schools – you know, I was just really excited to be there. And I, I just took everything. I didn't take anything for granted. And for Adelphi, it was going to be, you were going to be the star and we're going to base our program around you. Mm-hmm. And when you're 17 years old, that doesn't sound that bad, you know? So I had a really good visit there. The girls were really nice, you know, went back home and we scheduled the visit for Nebraska and that was next. And that was actually my first time on an airplane and also oh. my father's first time on an airplane. Okay. So, you know, here we are, we get in a little puddle jumper as we call it, because, you know, we live in Albany, New York, flying to Lincoln, Nebraska. You're not flying in a very big plane. It felt like a helicopter, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we go there and it's just 
total star treatment. And what I mean by that is we're put up in an embassy suites. We go to a football game over there on Saturday and we're just totally blown away. It's funny because when you say you're from New York, people think, you know, you, you live right outside of Times Square and you wake up to the New York City skyline every morning. That is not me. <laughs> you know, I live outside of Albany, New York, and I live in a town of 20,000 people. My graduating class was 150 kids. Like, I am yeah. small town New York, let's be honest. Yeah. So going there, I was just totally shell-shocked with the environment. Um, Lincoln is a huge football city, and they're all about the Huskers. Mm -hmm. They don't care if you're a football player, if you're a tennis player, if you shoot rifle. It, they are all about the Huskers. And mm -hmm. I was blown away by that. Mm -hmm. You know, the resources they had for their their student athletes. You know, they had their own dining hall for student athletes. It was just, it was like a five-star restaurant. I mean, it was just absolutely ridiculous, the resources <laughs> they had for student athletes. And I went and I talked to Coach Straub with my dad. And, and honestly, I just felt like at that point, my, my mind was pretty made up. Yeah. Now, of course... You know, at Nebraska, it, it wasn't going to be the Liz Culkin show. You know what I mean? It was mm -hmm. it was going mm -hmm. to be like, okay, you're going to have to work hard to learn and, and earn your spot. And yeah. I was okay with that because, like I said, I wasn't I wasn't an all star. You know, I, I, mm -hmm. I knew that I had to learn and I wanted to get better. So yep. it was an easy decision after that. Yeah, for sure. I guess um, one thing that I'm just personally curious about is so coach bill straub who is hall of famer right like he's one of the most notable coaches in bowling ever like if you really think about the guys you think of mike shady and jazz now mm -hmm. and bill straub like those like yeah. obviously there's a lot of other guys that are all very intelligent um my memory is just very bad but um you know, he's one of those guys. Did you know about his reputation? And was that one of the things that kind of like another thing that kind of tipped it over if you were lacking on coaching to go to the place where, you know, like at the very least, this guy's got the reputation of being somebody who really knows what he's talking about. Absolutely. I mean, you just besides looking at the fact that Bill's job, you know, you've heard about his past. You just look at the players that he's produced. Mm -hmm. Right. So mm -hmm. the Shannon Plahowski's, the Lindsey Boomer shines. The Deander Aspadies, like when you look at women like that, you think yep. to yourself, obviously they're a product of the program, and how can you not want to be like that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the yep. national championships that he's produced on the mm -hmm. men's and women's side, it's just, it's all on paper. It speaks for itself. So mm -hmm. for me, because I didn't have much coaching in high school, and honestly, even outside of my the high school I went to for high school bowling, I really didn't have much coaching up to that point. Um, mm -hmm. And I was, I, I was a pretty good bowler still, and I hadn't had any coaching. So I knew that I was capable of so much more if I were just to get to the right coach and get to the yep. right program. And I, I knew that I was capable of more. And, and that was a big thing for me with Nebraska because there was just so many resources there for the program. They had their own bowling alleys on campus. They had all these, different things that you could use on campus for the bowling alley. And it was really important for me to do that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's just one of those things that, um, you know, when you, when, when you have it, you, uh, yeah, you can, you can kind of 
co-star, I guess. That's that's all good. It's all good. That's that's the that's what cats do. They mirror what their people are doing. I, oh, I yeah, learned that. What are you doing, mom? Right. I, right? I had a feeling he was gonna try to get in here. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. I think uh, it's actually Lincoln from Nebraska. That, so <laughs> perfect. It's he just heard his name. That's all it was. That's he just. What <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Um. One of the things that uh, I guess with that, that I'm curious about too. So uh, I have a, a decent background in coaching at the high school level. And one of the things that I personally struggled with was like, you know, when I, when I was a kid and I grew up playing baseball, it was like, I need somebody to absolutely whip me into shape. Like I expected like hard coaching. And then when I'm coaching, uh, you know, um, locally here, it's, well, it's bowling, right? It's like, well, just take it easy. It's it's bowling. Was the I'll just say that that's the culmination of the response. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I'm guessing that at Nebraska, it was a little bit more. Uh, we're going to make you a great bowler. Like, what was that? What was the regiment like? What was the practice like? What were the expectations like it, coming in as a freshman? And then I'm assuming they didn't really change. But did it shock you? I mean, it was pretty intense. I. Uh... You know, Nebraska's program, it is pretty intense. You know, they yep. want – they a lot of people look at Nebraska and there's a stereotype, right? All the bowlers bowl the same. They all mm -hmm. bowl like robots. They have the push away and the foul through. And, you know, this is all, all things I heard even before going there, but honestly yep. I, I didn't listen to that. Mm -hmm. But they do have the things that they teach their girls and fundamentals that honestly have worked throughout the year. So – it just makes sense to continue doing it. Mm -hmm. um, and when I got there, my big problem when I was in high school is I would just fly wide open. My hips were facing the wall. I was just kind of a loose cannon. You know, I had a high rev rate at a young age, and I just had no idea how to control that. And <laughs> I was just all over the place. Now, the good thing yep. about me is that I didn't walk into that program thinking, you know, I'm I'm Liz Culkin and I don't need to change. Yep. You know, I did. That just yep. wasn't it. I literally was just ready to learn. And I think that's what really helped me excel at Nebraska was they have an intense program that they teach their girls and I bought into it. Mm -hmm. and, and that was it. Were yeah. there some tears? Yes. One of the biggest things that happened when my first practices is that I didn't spot bowl when I was in high school. I didn't spot bowl when I was younger. And I remember Coach Straub actually was asking me what I was hitting, and mm -hmm. I didn't understand what that meant. Yeah. And he goes, you know, how can you be this good of a bowler and you've never spot bowled in your life? And I'm like, you know, <laughs> you know, I'm 17 years old, like thousand miles away from home. Oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, yep. there was a lot of intense practices like that, but it was necessary, um, you know, to, to get to where you're capable of your true potential. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's just one of those things that I, I don't ever want to take for granted, like the people that make it through those types of challenging situations, because it, it it makes you a better person, even though the process of that is tough. Some oh, yeah. would say it sucks. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, but then, you know, it pushes you for four years to the point of being D1 player of the year when you're mm -hmm. a senior. Yeah. So was that something that I, I guess maybe 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 we'll make this a bigger question because I think it'll be a good transition into 2015. Mm -hmm. When you go into, uh, you know, a program like that um, or, you know, bowling professionally or really anything, 
do you walk in with the expectation of being the greatest in the room at some point? Because you ended up there. Yeah. I mean, I feel like even before I went to Nebraska and I was watching the videos of Shannon and Deandra and Cassie Luthold, and I used to watch those YouTube videos like crazy. Like those mm-hmm. videos where they had to get up in the 10th frame of strike and, and win the championship for their team. Um, I, I had in my head, that's who I want to be um, when I go to college. I want to be the one throwing that shot to win a national championship for their team. And mm-hmm. I just, as an athlete, always wanted to be in that pressure situation, even when I played softball, when I played basketball, all the sports. And when I went to Nebraska, my goal wasn't to be a two-hole or a three-hole. Mm-hmm. And there, I'm not trying to put a slight on that because everybody has a, has a purpose on a team, but I wanted to be the anchor. Yeah. I wanted to be yep. throwing those shots in the 10th frame, and I would put myself in those situations over and over again, just so in practice, all right, Liz, this is the you know the championship shot to win the title. I just yep. always wanted to be that player. So yep. when I went to Nebraska, I wanted to – that's why I bought into the program so quick because I wanted to get better, and I knew that I needed the coaching to do that. So yep. I knew as soon as I stepped on that campus that I, I wanted to be a star there. I didn't want to just be another name in the history book of Nebraska on a roster – I wanted to be on the wall with players like Shannon and Deandra and all the great players of the PWBA now. Yeah. And you're on the wall with a bunch of the best female athletes that have ever mm-hmm. just gone to Nebraska and competed in any sports, which yeah. I, th- I think that that kind of gets brushed under the radar a little bit because bowlers tend to just look at bowling. But to say that you were the female athlete of the year for Nebraska, who you said it best, they love their Huskers. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of a big thing. Like, is that something that you think about? Like, I, I mean, it's, you know, you're seven years separated from it from now, but I, I still think that's pretty darn cool. Absolutely. It's honestly one of the most prestigious awards I've ever received. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've gotten a lot of awards and I appreciate them all. There, there's a time and place for all of them. But, you know, I remember when I received that award, um, we were coming home from nationals before the night at the lead, it was called where they gave all the athlete awards and I remember Coach Klempa, who was the assistant coach, obviously, at the time. who's He's the head coach now, but he was the assistant yep. coach then. We were driving on a bus, and he said to me, you know, Liz, have you wrote an acceptance speech of any sort for the night at the lead? You know, because all the nominees were asked to write a speech just in case they, they got selected, obviously. Yeah. And this was not a very good mindset for me, but I just didn't think I was going to win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was with yeah. a softball player a gymnast and gymnast and a volleyball player and then Mm -hmm. i just i was a bowler and (laughs) that is not a very good mindset to have because it's it's not an insult to the sport or an insult to me i just i didn't think that i thought one of the other flashier sports Mm -hmm. um, may win and i kind of told them no not really you know i i just i haven't gotten around to it i he goes, I think you should. And I don't know if, I don't know if he knew I was going to win. I really don't. Maybe he did. He probably did. But, you know, I ended up typing something up real quick. And I remember when I won, I said to him, you know, good thing I wrote that. Because <laughs> there was a lot of people there. That was probably the, yeah. biggest, the biggest crowd I've ever given a speech in front of. It was terrifying. There was probably like a couple thousand people there. And I was mortified. And I kept saying to Coach Clem, but thank God that I wrote that speech or else it would have just been standing up there blabbering. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I I'm just going to ride with the fact that he didn't know. He just had faith. He just saw 
four years worth of busting your ass and was like, mm-hmm. you know what? She earned it. And that's just what it's going to be. And that, you know what? We, we can believe the story to be whatever we want. So why not make it that way? Right. Right. I think that'd be a great story because it was really cool. He goes, I think you should write it, Liz. I said, oh, all right. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, real quick, what was your major in? I'm just, I, I didn't see that anywhere. My major was criminology with okay. a minor in sociology. Okay. So Sounds good. I kind of, um, I wanted to get into criminal law. Mm-hmm. I actually wanted to go to law school at the university at Albany, which is one of the best law, law programs yep. in the country. And I was basically... All set to do that and send in my resume before the launch of the PWBA came out. Yeah, that was why I was curious because yeah, like that timing hit so perfectly, and not only did it hit perfectly, but then you won right away, like real quick. Um, I don't remember what exactly how far into the schedule the Topeka Open was in 2015, but I remember like. Like I, I, as long as I've known the women's tour to be around, it's like Liz Calkin's been a winner. Like that's that's how I see it as a spectator. What yeah. the heck was that like? <laughs> yeah, so it was a whirlwind for me that whole 2015 because, as I was just saying to you, I had a plan for my life. Like a lot of people do when, when you're graduating college, you try to figure out, okay, what's my next step. Yep. And, you know, I knew I didn't want to, I loved Nebraska, but I didn't want to stay there. I wanted to go home. I'm a homebody. I knew I wanted to go back home to New York and everything. And, you know, I want to continue in law. And I had my sights set on the university at Albany because I could commute, you know, I could live at home mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And obviously they came out with the announcement that they were relaunching the PWBA. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to now sit down and and weigh my pros and cons here. And honestly, it didn't take very long for me to know that I was going to bowl <laughs> because at that nice. point I was D one player of the year. We had just mm-hmm. won a national championship. I was really good. You know, I've been practicing six days a week and going through all this training and stuff. I knew that I wanted to bowl. So I graduated in May of 2015 and right from the graduation, the next morning, my parents took a U-Haul and my truck and drove to New York with all of my stuff. And I drove to Green Bay, Wisconsin and bowled the USBC Queens in which I made my first telecast at the USBC Queens. My first, my first event and my first show um, right out of college. And I, I came in fifth place. I lost to Maria Jose, my first match. Um, but my early success wasn't surprising to me because I was really good at the time. And what I mean yeah. by that is I, I just came out of college where you're practicing all the time and you're having yep. all this coaching and you're just sharp. That's yep. how I describe it. You're just sharp. Yep. And I, the early success was a blessing and a curse. And what I mean by that is it's a blessing because you're, you're doing well and you're kind of proving yourself that you belong here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really grateful to be there. I mean, I was bowling with players like Kelly and Shannon. I mean, people that I've idolized my entire like youth, right? Mm-hmm. So it was a shock to me. Um, but at the same time, when I started to see my success, I kind of started to not yep. practice as much, take, yep. take, took it for granted, which I just got done telling you earlier in this interview that I didn't take anything for granted at Nebraska. And then here I am right. as a professional and I'm just like, well, this is easy, man. Like, I'm fine. You know, I'm this, I'm this D1 player of the year and I'm doing well. And I did well, but I would tell any young player that starts on our tour that the success is great, but 
that doesn't mean a let up on the pedal because there's right. just too many great players on this tour, young and old, to to act like that. And unfortunately, I went through it a couple times in my career, and you just can't do that. You can't do that out here. So I learned yeah, pretty sure. quickly. And that's one of those things too that um, maybe maybe it's because generally speaking, you know, the ladies are a little bit more at communicating what their process is, like just in general, like on the internet, you, you, you think about following Shannon O'Keefe on Instagram. It's like, you oh, know, yeah. she's out there grinding like all the time, mm-hmm. you know, Di- Diana's in the gym six days a week. You, all, yeah. all these gals, like uh-huh. just, just hitting it. Right. And, um, that's, I, I, that's one of those things like you talk about not taking it for granted. Well, it's like, well, you can't because well, the ones that are up there, they, they aren't. And um, I guess my curiosity uh, and we actually I'm curious more about this year and we can always circle back because there's definitely a run up a ladder to win a U.S. Open title that I want to talk about. But um, your process, like, you know, you taught you you went from highly regimented, having a coach there. You're there six days a week. You're sharp as a tack. Everything's working. And then it falls off and then it comes back up. You know, it, it kind of goes up, up and down, ebbs and flows a little bit. You get back on top. You win the Long Island Open. What was the process to get there? Yeah, so, I mean, I'm I'm pretty lucky where I'm from because there's, there's just a lot of bowling in my area in the capital region. I'm just from a very bowling-rich community, and I'm, I'm very lucky in that sense because during the league season, not only do I bowl multiple competitive leagues with competitive mm-hmm. bowlers – I'm also bowling every weekend in something competitive, whether, you know, it's a a Neva or Northeast kind of thing. I'm always competitively bowling. And I think that really helps me. I really have an advantage over some of the girls because I talked to a lot of girls on tour and they kind of say, man, I don't know how you bowl league so much, or I don't know how you bowl every weekend. I can never find anything to bowl on the weekend. And I think that's really helped me because I'm, I'm able to keep that competitive the competitive juice is flowing all year, even outside of the PWBA. And I'm also very fortunate because I come from a center, uh, Town Bowling Academy, um, who is just very supportive of my bowling. And what I mean by that is letting me practice, putting down different patterns, you know, whenever I want to. And I'm very lucky in that sense because I'm able to stay sharp on patterns because, yes, I do bowl in league and I bowl on China and everything else. So it's important (laughs) It's important to stay on top of those, some of those harder patterns. And I'm yeah. very lucky in that way. And I just, it was very important to me going into this year to win again. Because yeah. it's just been a long time. Um, mm-hmm. I, I've won the New York State Queens, which is very important to me. I won that three years in a row. Um, but for me to win a professional title again, to just kind of prove, all right, we're still here. You know, mm-hmm. you're still here, Liz, and you're still an elite player on tour. And I wanted to prove to prove that I belong in that group. Mm-hmm. And I was really happy I was able to get that done because I've come close. I've made a lot of shows since yeah. 2018. I put mm-hmm. myself in the position, but I couldn't. I just couldn't quite get it done. And yeah. it was really important to me to just finally uh, excel and get through there and get the, and get the W. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and you kind of illustrated that too in the Facebook posts or Instagram or whatever social media channel it was like right after the US Open, which I know was probably more challenging for you, especially considering the results. You know, it's it's yeah. not every day that somebody pops a 120 in, in any right. tournament, right? Right. Um, but you, 
you illustrated it as well as I think anybody could in, in roller coaster in, in like, I think, cause there's definitely the physical side of the game, which you have to have on point to compete with the best in the world. There's no question about that. But when I think about the, the struggle of going from that high point to that, to the, to, you know, kind of just coming off of it because there's only, it's only so high you can get, you're going to come down. And then to be able to pick yourself back up and, and get back up that hill. Um, how do you like, what, what is, do you have a process mentally? Like, do you like, what do you work on like between the ears as much if, if you do and, and what is that kind of like? Yeah. So winning that title, it was kind of an interesting kind of timeline with how it all went down because obviously it was the highest of the highs you win. Mm -hmm. You're a PW Bay titleist again. And yep. it was literally like, I enjoyed that for probably about three hours <laughs> because you know, the next day we had a new tournament and yep. that was really hard because because of how long it had been since I won, I really mm -hmm. would have just loved to like soak that in and yeah. enjoy it and celebrate with my family and friends and kind of, you know, what a normal stop would be like, you go home for a couple of days and then you go back out. Yep. Um, I didn't have the chance to do that. You know, I went to bed exhausted, bowling a million games to get to that point and then how to start again in a new, in a new tournament. And that's just how, mm -hmm. The classics work, and I was aware of that, and everybody's aware of that. Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately, then I went, and I, I bowled pretty poorly in the next event. So I went to this absolute high to, like, literally bowling so bad to not even – not making that cut, but I didn't even make the overall cut because I bowled so mm -hmm. bad in the following event. And it yep. was just like, wow. <laughs> like, yeah. that just that's just putting yourself through a lot mentally as an athlete, but – Mm -hmm. For me, winning was so important that I was able to kind of get past it to that point. And I actually kind of looked at it as a semi advantage because I there's so much bowling going on in that Long Island Classic. Mm -hmm. And I kind of felt like, OK, I got the W. Um, I get to go home and kind of relax now until the U.S. Open, which is also a million games. And yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to get ready for that. Yep. So mentally that was still a lot for me, you know, from going to such a high to like going to that low, just in, in this certain amount of days, it was, it was tough. So then I go home and I'm excited because the U S open is obviously in my area. It's in my cat mm -hmm. in the capital region, an hour away from mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the U S opens a grind. I've made two U S open shows, so I know how to grind. Um, and unfortunately, um, I had in my head how I wanted it to go. Mm -hmm. And it did not go that way. Yeah. I, I feel like as as much as I've been through a lot, and I'm not exactly a veteran on tour, but I've been out there long enough, I still cannot seem to properly prepare myself to perform in front of my home crowd. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is my parents, who don't really get to watch me bowl very much professionally, it's just hard for them to get out on tour to watch me. You know, my brother and just a, just a ton of people came. And the first night I bowled, at the U.S. Open, I was C squad, so oh, I was sure. the late squad. So everybody came right after they got out of work. Yeah, I had a lot of people there, and you just have this picture in your head of you hoisting the trophy at the end of the tournament in front of all these people, and it just went exactly opposite of that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it was hard, Ben. Like, honestly, that was probably one of the hardest rounds I've ever had in my career. Forget about the score, okay? Because yeah. the score was obviously bad. The entire time, I put this on my Facebook. I felt like I was trying to put a Band-Aid on the Hoover Dam. Like, I was just... Yeah. Like, it was just bursting at the seams. And the worst part about it was everybody was watching. And I remember uh, Deandra asked Beatty Bold of me. And she goes to me, you know, Liz, these people love you whether you bowl 120 or 220. She's right. Everybody's Mm -hmm. watching because they just want to watch me bowl. They don't, they feel bad that I'm bowling bad, but they're not like mad at me. You know, they're they're there to just support me. And the entire time I was bowling, I was just trying so hard to not break down, you know, get frustrated and upset because it was so... Things were just going so awful, you know? Yeah. Everything was going wrong. Whatever could go wrong was going wrong. And I remember mm-hmm. when I was done, everybody was, like, waiting for me. And mm-hmm. I was walking out of the locker room, and two of the local newspapers um, want to talk to me. And oh, yeah. It's just how it is, right? It, it's how it is being a professional athlete. Whether you're yep. playing basketball, football, anything – you lose, you win. They want to talk to you. They want the story. Yep. And I had to talk to him and I, I don't know. I didn't know how I was going to open my mouth and not start crying because it was just so frustrating. The four hours I just went through. So I yeah. had to speak to them and then I had to go back to everyone that was watching me and kind of said, thank you for coming. And I, I literally did not think I could say those five words about crying because I was just so frustrated how everything just went. Right. Um, so again, the, the roller coaster, you know, and I yep. just, what I, what I kind of felt like after I was done with that round is that as severe as it sounded, I pretty much felt like I wasn't going to make the cut because they mm-hmm. were so hard that I felt like I can't go, I can't go 200 over now to, to fix what I just did. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what made it so emotional was not right. only did I bowl bad, but I felt like I pulled myself out of the cut. So mm-hmm. everything after that point, I just really wanted a positive, positive notes for my psyche because the last thing I want to do is go into this break thinking, you know, oh, you bowled horrible the last two events. So for me to, to end strong, which I did, I, yep. I bowled very good the last day. And that mm-hmm. was really important to me because things were just so bad that first day. It was just such a roller coaster for me to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, uh, that's one of those things that, um, it, it, it gets missed. That's an important part of the story, right? Is when you when you think about what it's like to be an athlete on in any sport, but especially in bowling, because the thing that I've noticed is um, the 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 room the, the the bowling center is very very subject to the energy that the people that are in there are giving off because we're so close. Like there are no athletes in the world that are more accessible while they are competing than bowlers. Very true. You're, you're three feet, three feet away, right? When I was at the TOC, one day they had high school groups everywhere, and um, they all they were all like assigned a bowler. So like Sean Rash had a group of bowlers, and Belmo had a group of bowlers, and so <laughs> on and so forth, right? Yeah. And um, it was nuts. Like there was so much, there was so much positive energy when, when, when they were bowling, like they, you could tell they fed off of it. And then the next day it's dead silent and everyone's bowling like crap. And it's like, everyone is like that environment is so subject to what the people that are in it are putting off. And 
it, it, that's that's one of the hardest things i i can you know i definitely never and never will compete at a professional level but i get it where it's like if you have the people that you just want to watch you do what they know you can do that's really all you that's really all you're asking for and for it to just simply not happen and then it's just like you just get caught in that trap but it's but it's important part of it because like you said how do you bounce back because that would i mean that would kill most people like most people would i i i some people would throw in the old withdraw right it's just like well if i'm 200 out after day one why am i going to shred my hand for 16 more games mm -hmm. like do i really have to do that um but you bounce back with with having that perspective of like i've still got the lucy i've still got texas mm -hmm. this is not that not all is lost and i'm still one of the best that's out here like i just won a week ago let's right. not forget the fact that i just won a week ago yeah so it's it's definitely um, I appreciate the fact that you shared it. it is really what I'm getting at, because vulnerability, although it is very uncomfortable, it gives people that are like who you were in 2009 and 2010 a way more accurate look at what this world is actually like. And if you walk in, you know, if you walk in to any I'm just going to use bowling. You know, if you walk into a, a collegiate program thinking it's all going to be sunshine and rainbows, cause that's all you see. And then you just get railroaded, you know, by your coach for <laughs> uh -huh. six days a week, just so that you can become sharp as a tack. It's like, what's missing here? Like I'm missing a part of this. And, and it's, it, it's exactly that. It's like, well, we're not grinding on you to, you know, just because we like it. It's because someday you're going to bowl in front of your family <laughs> and you're going to yeah. shoot a 120 and then you're going to be like this is awful this is mm -hmm. terrible but i ground myself for the last however many years to handle this and then move on to the next one and that's the best part about bowling is there's always 10 more frames you might have right. to wait a little bit but <laughs> and that was the thing i mean it was so hard to think when i got home thursday night i was like i don't even want to go bowl tomorrow like i'm so embarrassed to walk in the bowling alley and i kept saying sorry to my parents and they were just getting so angry at me because <laughs> it's not sorry you know and i'm i don't i said that to everybody when i left thursday night i'm like i'm sorry everyone's like don't say that but that's just literally how you feel right because you're yeah. just they came and drove you know the the bowling alley is about an hour away from where we all live in the capital region and they came mm -hmm. and took time out of their night to come watch me and I, I just bowled horribly and they had to watch me like be miserable for four hours. I just, it's, it's a, it's a tough feeling to come home and then think to yourself, okay, I literally have to scrap this and start over. And then before you go to bed Thursday night, you open up your Facebook and you see all the, all the articles, you know, mm -hmm. all the, uh, Culkin can't get it going and Culkin falls short in the first round. I mean, you read those things, right? And yep. that's that's tough, but it's also part of being an athlete because, like you had just said, a week before, I, I saw Culkin as a three-time titleist, and, mm -hmm. you know, you just have to, you have to mentally get through those things, and I went to bed Thursday night, and I woke up Friday saying it is a new tournament. It's a new yep. day, yep. and um, I, bowled, I bowled better Friday, too. I still went minus. They were definitely the hardest they were on the second pattern. They were just, yeah. like, very yeah. impossible. Yep. And I went minus 60, which honestly was probably par. Mm -hmm. I would have been fine with that if I didn't go 200 the day before. But I bowled a lot better on Friday, and I, I bowled even better on Saturday. And unfortunately, if I 
if I was in a different squad on Saturday, I was the first squad on Saturday. So mm. if I was the second or third, I really think I would have given a run for that cut because I actually bowled very bad the first three games on Saturday. I had oh, like sure. four I had like four fifty for three. Mm-hmm. I bowled one twenty again. Yep. Um, so then I went on I won hundred and seventy over the last uh yeah. four or five and if I was able to figure out earlier the line I needed to play, I would have legitimately gave him a run for the cut. But yeah, I, it was just important for me to end on a good note for my psyche. Yeah. It really was. Yeah, for sure. And you absolutely did that. And, you know, the other thing, too, that the nice part about having the successes that you've had is even if that doesn't happen, I guess I'm curious, does does making that run through the 2018 U.S. Open that whole thing, you know, because every, you know, obviously everybody knows you ran the ladder, but let's not forget about the 56 games that you bowled before that to even get there. Right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like talk about an, a grinder because Nick Hoagland is an absolute mad scientist and some think that's a good mm-hmm. thing. And some think that it's evil. I'm not really he sure. He was crushing us the last couple of weeks. <laughs> the U S open long Island classic. I mean, up to that point, I'm not going to lie. I think why it was so crushing as well as, they were they were pretty scorable the, mm-hmm. the previous weeks, like Minnesota and Florida. Minnesota especially was very high scoring. I mean, yeah. so it was okay. Um, and then the Long Island Classic, it was just like, like we just, to- we just totally got our teeth kicked in. And we were like, wow. I mean, 220 at one point in Minnesota was like 150. And 220 yeah. in Long Island was like 300. So yep. it was just – it was a very fluctuating scoring pace for us. Um you know, sequential weeks. So mm-hmm. uh, it was tough there for a while, but I appreciate it. Cause we, we do bowl on hard stuff and I feel like the bowling world appreciates that as well. So. Uh, yes. Yes. I have, I have said it multiple times and I will continue to say it until somebody proves me wrong. Y'all are better bowlers than the men and you definitely bowl on harder stuff than the guys do plain and simple. Um, cause look at what happens during the U S open and the masters, but, uh, we're going to move away from that because otherwise I'm going to be controversial, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, that is not Liz's opinion for those that are watching and listening. That is all me. Um, but I'm curious, do you go back and think about that U S open as another way of fueling it or the other thing? Uh, you know, you did shoot eight ninety. Like, do you ever go back to those things and, and like help, does that help refuel you or is it just like, you're proud of it and it's about the next thing? Oh, for sure. It fuels me because it, that is who I am. That's Liz Culkin is, you know, getting down to it and, and making the shots and fighting through adversity. And, you know, that 2018 run, I was 22nd at one point. So I was 22nd mm-hmm. out of 24 and um, just turned on the Jets, like really turned on the Jets, got into the right ball and threw a lot of strikes. And I was able to climb that ladder. And actually, I don't know if a lot of people know about this, but I'm sure a lot of people knew I made the show the following year. But mm-hmm. I had an infection in my finger that year um, because I don't know. I'm sure you've flown into Vegas before, and mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people have. The descent to Vegas is terrible. It's just very choppy. It's just very uncomfortable. I'm not a great flyer. Like I understand flying is a part of my job because I'm not centrally located. I don't love to fly. I'm kind of a nervous flyer. That descent was awful. It was just very choppy, and I was chewing on my cuticles because I was nervous. Yep. And I chewed 
my cuticle off on my ring finger and it got infected. Now this is the first time it's ever happened to me. I'm not a huge nail biter. As you see, I get my nails done and stuff. So I, I don't bite my nails that often. Yeah. But that particular time I did. Yep. And my finger got infected. And I've never dealt with it before. And it was so painful. And I have to thank, I have to give a shout out to 2022 U, uh, US Open winner, Erin McCarthy. She helped me out. She's a nurse. I said, Erin, I don't know how to fix this, man. Like, it, it hurts. It's getting worse. Mm -hmm. And I was able to put it in peroxide and stuff and kind of get the infection out of it. But it was so uncomfortable to, to do anything with the bowling ball, yeah. to hook it, to get any leverage. And I was taping it up and everything like that. But just the immense pressure you put on your fingers when you throw it, it was just, it was just horrible. Mm -hmm. And Aaron actually suggested Aura Gel, which as we all know, oh, we use yep. for our teeth to numb it yep. when we have tooth pain. Aura Gel actually numbed my finger a little bit for me to be able to bowl. So... I think of 2019 a lot, too, because I had a lot of adversity there as well because I was bullying pretty bad because I was in so much pain. And I, I fought through all of that to make the show. Um, mm -hmm. So I think about times like that. I, so I know, what I, I know what I'm capable of. So when I go through times like I did at the U.S. Open this past year, or even, you know, 2017, 2016, all these mediocre years I'm having, I had, I should say, I kind of remember who I am and what I've been through and what I'm capable of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, 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 I'm curious, uh, cause the next, the next big one that everyone knows about now, if you're bowling every weekend, there might be one that's bigger. I don't really know. You say that if you say that sent North, North or, or central New York is, uh, mm -hmm. such a big bowling community. Now I'm kind of curious. I might have to just, uh, go over there and see what this is all about. Isn't the UBA over there? Yeah. I'm actually you, on a UBA team. That's awesome. Hey, I need to I, I need to talk to those guys. They're doing something crazy over there, and I'm so curious what it is. But yeah. the the next big one is the Lucy. And you know, you think about if you're crossing uh, every weekend with, I would assume the majority of the fields are men. You walk into an event like that thinking you have an advantage over some of the other women that are there. You know, I. I've bowled with a lot of men before in the past just because of the area I'm from. And mm -hmm. I actually, when I, I used to go on the PBA quite a bit, which unfortunately I'm going mm. to be full disclosure here. Um, I feel like it made me bad. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I messed up swing a lot. Um, this was in the mm -hmm. years of 2016, 2017, where I was mm -hmm. uh, traveling with somebody that I'm not going to mention, one of my exes. You're good. Um, and, uh, he would bowl and I would just be with him. So I might as well bowl as well. And mm -hmm. I bowled a lot. And honestly, it, it made me bad. It did because I was trying to yeah. loft it. I was trying to throw it harder. My swing was like away from my body. I just, I got really bad at that point. Um, but I kind of learned how to bowl with the men while I was around here because not only do I do it in league, obviously, but I do it every weekend. Mm -hmm. But I feel like a lot of the other girls have, have as well. And yeah. also a lot of the other girls maybe aren't affected as much because they're able to kind of stay right of the guys. Um, I yeah. usually, and you know, players like Daria, Verity, you know, Diana, we get in all the men's crap, as you could say, you know, the urethane <laughs> stuff and the, the law yep. thing. And, you know, yep. it can get difficult, especially pair to pair. And luckily I've been able to deal with that. And actually last year I bowled very well in the Lucy. I think I was one of the top qualifiers and mm -hmm. I, I have to say, my, my Lucy partner is uh, Richie Teese, the Englishman, yep. Yep. and I love bowling with Richie. 
And I think one of the reasons we bowl so well together, and we have, I think we've made three out of three cuts we bowl together. We just bowl very similarly, so we're yeah. able to bounce off of each other a lot. And Richie is such a nice guy. I think a lot of people think of the loose scene. They think of putting two fantastic bowlers together, and that means they're going to win. And it, and it does happen. I mean, look at EJ and Danielle, two fantastic bowlers. They won. I mean, that's because yep. they're just phenomenal. They're both phenomenal bowlers. But that doesn't always work. It's yeah. not always about sticking the two greatest bowlers together and sailing away because that tournament is a lot about team chemistry and, and mm-hmm. following each other's moves and communication. And Richie and I just have that down pack. We really do. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I actually sat with Richie and Jake Peters at the Hall of Fame dinner. So I got to meet yeah, awesome. meet the both of them. Yeah, the, Richie is one of the nicest people I think I've ever met. So he is, he's so fun. I have so much fun with him. I really do. And I, I'll keep bowling with him as, as long as he wants to bowl. And, I, you know, I, yeah. I always worry about him getting over here. But, of course, COVID, there was a whole COVID thing. And, yep. you know, I obviously if he couldn't bowl, I, I'd figure something else out. But I hope we bowl together for a long time because I really do enjoy bowling with him. One of the things that um, I think about when I think about Richie Tease bowling is um, very, very low peaks and very high valleys, right? Just he, he doesn't really... He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. He's very consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, takes everything, you know, pretty easy, it seems. Obviously, I don't know the guy that well. I could be completely off my rocker. But um, <laughs> the 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 interesting part about that, and you talk about team chemistry, is when I think about um, yourself bowling and what I've been able to observe is you're one of the most animated players on sure. the PWBA <laughs> Tour. You know, at least outwardly, it would it, it it looks like compared to the rest of your field, higher peaks, lower valleys at the very maybe maybe it's just higher peaks. Like you're not afraid to celebrate when something goes well. I think that's maybe a better way of putting it. Um, mind you, I, I've really only seen you bowl well. So there is that. <laughs> so yeah, maybe I'm, the US Open, so. <laughs> I was not at the US yeah. Open. So. <laughs> Um, but, but it's, it's an interesting dynamic, I guess, I, what I'm uh, really kind of, uh, getting to is, um, being one of the more animated players, uh, or maybe, maybe the most animated player. Does that ever get you in trouble? <laughs> From time to time, I, w- I would think people think so, you know, because people say, okay, you, you get yourself too riled up and then you make a bad shot or you, you get too into it and you celebrate too early, but. I really, at the same time, know how to keep my emotions in check. You know, I yeah. just, I've always felt like bowling needs that animation. Yep. I feel like we get a bad rap with that. And I feel like especially women get a bad rap with that women's bowling. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Just, you know, a lot of people appreciate, as you mentioned earlier in this telecast, the shot making of women's bowling. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of us are just very accurate. We know how to repeat our shots. But at the same time, a lot of, a lot of the women are very subdued. And yep. I think a lot of that has to do with just we are focused and concentrated and we know what we want to do and we don't want anything to get us out of that trance, really. Um, yeah. But for me, I am an adrenaline player. I have been my mm-hmm. entire life in every sport that I've played. I, I, I just build off of that adrenaline. And mm-hmm. I'm not okay. I'm not afraid to get excited when I do something good. <laughs> um, and mm-hmm. I, I feel like as time has gone on, some of the other players have done that. You know, I think of uh, Shannon O'Keefe. Now, Shannon mm-hmm. O'Keefe is one of the most focused players in women's bowling. She she is the best bowler in the world women on the women's side, just repeating shots and making her yeah. shots. 
And yep. you'll see her when she bowls on TV. She'll throw out the yes and, and the fist pumps, and she gets into it. And, and I, I think that's great to see. I really do. I just think it's it shows that, you know, we get excited. We, we, we like to see things go well, and I'm just not afraid to do that because I think bowling needs more of that, uh, especially when we're on TV because – when you have an audience watching, they like that kind of excitement because, as you as you said, bowling is such an audience sport that way that they feed off the players, yeah. and I just think it's so important to to show spectators that that we that we get excited and we like when things go well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and and I and I I don't mean to say this as a disparaging comment. You are a Yankees fan, so I would assume <laughs> being loud is a little bit more natural to you than maybe some other folks. Oh yeah, and you know? I. I did look that up today. That was actually the first, that was where I intended to start this conversation. I was like, okay, yeah, sure. The U S open didn't go great, but uh, Russ Wilson is a Bronco and the Yankees are 13 up on the Sox. Mm-hmm. So was it all that bad? It's not that bad to be a Yankees fan right now. I can tell you right now. It's actually funny because I have it going on in the background here. While we're I got it on you, of course, but just to make sure every once in a while I check in, see how they're doing. They're playing the Astros. So that's a yeah. really big rival game. Um, yep. As I'm sure you've looked up, and a lot of the people watching this probably know, I'm just a huge sports fan. Um, yeah. I've, I've always been my entire life. I'm honestly one of the guys that way I watch all sports. You know, obviously, I'm a huge Yankees fan, um, huge Broncos fan, but I mm-hmm. watch all sports basketball, you know, football. I watch all of it. I really enjoy it. And it's actually, it's funny that we're streaming right now a podcast like this because the last time I did something like this was on a sports radio thing. Oh. I've done a couple appearances on sports radio and, and talked uh, sports radio and stuff. And I, uh, I'm just very passionate for it. It's one of my hobbies is to watch the Yankees. If I'm not bowling, I'm watching the Yankees do something. If you ask some of my tour roommates, you know, Jordan Richard, Valerie Clark, Kaylee Richard, I, I've got the Yankee game going on my iPad. No matter where we are in the country, I'm just always watching the Yankees, so... Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. And and you did put as I, I I'm hiding it, but my Cardinals flag is over here. I do still recall there is a picture of you on Instagram wearing a Cardinals jersey. So yes. I just I'm just gonna hold my hold my hat to that one and say we're we're on the same page. Yeah, one of my best friends, Kayla John, <laughs> my best friends, Kayla Johnson and Danielle Vandermeer. They are huge St. Louis Cardinal fans. Yep. And they, I, I uh, Bush Stadium, they have, um, they're like platinum members there where you get to go in the clubhouse mm. and everything and, and yep. sit in. And I got to do that on that particular day. And I'm a fan of going to different baseball stadiums, actually. I'm mm-hmm. one of those people where I would love to go to all of them and get a hat and say I've been there. So it's just mm-hmm. really nice for me to go to the different stadiums and see what they're like. And none, yeah. none of them will ever compare to Yankee Stadium, but. <laughs> new <laughs> new Yankee out. Stadium? New Yankee Stadium or old Yankee Stadium? You know, I've never been to old Yankee Stadium as much oh, as um, all right. crazy as that is. I never went to uh, old Yankee Stadium. I've only been to the new one, but that's all right. It still counts. Yes, I agree. <laughs> um, all right, here we go. We're going to, I, I got to, we got to wrap this one up and I, I, I think I have the right question to do it. <clears throat> all right. So hear me out. Besides leaving what I would argue is a worse eight pin than Randy Peterson has ever left to break up 25 in a row or 24 in a row. And then ultimately 11 more, which if anybody doesn't know that that was an eight pin, um, they need to know because I, I might've retired at the end of that, but 
besides not leaving that eight pin, if you had if you had the opportunity to talk to 2015 Liz Culkin, what is the piece of advice that you would give her? You know, I kind of said this already, so it's going to be kind of repeating myself, but don't take things for granted. Mm -hmm. Don't get comfortable. Um, I I did that, and I I feel like I lost valuable years of my career um, in my prime kind of cruising. And Mm -hmm. I would would say to myself, you know, take it as a blessing, but stay on track. And um, unfortunately, I... I, I had to learn. I learned the hard way, unfortunately. And that's really just, it was a couple of years just honestly wasted kind of, you know, midlining every tournament and bowling maybe good one block and just coming back and just being blah and, you know, missing a lot of spares and just, I just was kind of there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I would tell myself to don't get comfortable. Yeah. Really. For sure. And I, I still feel even now, um, where I've, I've obviously had success and I just want again to not settle, to don't get comfortable. You know, you mm-hmm. may be, when you win on this tour at that particular time, you feel like you're one of the best players on tour because you've won. But at the same time, there's just, these, these girls are just so good and, and they're mm-hmm. going to come back the next tournament. You better be ready. And if you're sleeping on the job, they're going to call you out for sleeping on the job. And, and it happens and it's a real thing. So if I were to talk to 2015 Liz that was just got done walking across the stage at Nebraska, I would say, don't get comfortable. <laughs> you know, the best part about that question is that advice still applies today, right? Mm-hmm. So tomorrow when you wake up, it's exactly what you can say. Because the thing that I, I, I you know, as we'll say as a friend or a friendly person or whatever we would want to refer to it as is don't forget that you're a th- you, you, you've, you've been to the top right? Like we can't, I don't, we don't want to take that for granted. Um, and as long as you maintain that mindset, it's like, you know, you, you can say that valuable years were wasted, but man, who gets to learn that lesson, right? Mm-hmm. Like how, who, who has learned that lesson better as long as you, as long as you, you know, don't forget that. So, right. um, Liz, you are, uh, you've been a wonderful guest on the 10 pin life podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. I'm st- I still need to figure out the logistics of having a three-year-old and a three-month-old and getting to Houston. I want to go to Houston. I really do. Cause that's the coolest tournament I think of the whole year, but oh, I got some logistics. I got to, I got to work some logistics out. So hopefully I can uh, get down there, but um, I just want to wish you the absolute best for the rest of the season. Um, everything that you got going on. Um, and I, 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 we will do this again. Then I tell you what, then the next time that you win, which hopefully that's in a few weeks here, we'll just do it again. And we'll talk about how we finish the season on top. I like that idea. I think that's a great idea. And I definitely just want to say for you on this, thank you so much for doing what yeah. you do with Ten Pin Life. I really feel like bowling does not have enough of this. And honestly, I think you're very talented just with your video editing and things like that. We just, we don't have that in the sport that much. So I just want to thank you so much for all you do for bowling and, of course, for having me on. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, hopefully. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate the kind words, Liz. I may be flailing about every day and thinking that I have no idea what I'm doing. But, hey, we've all been somewhere to start, I guess. So, So, awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Liz. It's been great. Cool. Thank you. Thanks, Ben.